your new pastor will be here, you will like him because he is a very good pastor. His name is Pastor Rudoy, and he will have a district of uh, Banning Church and this church. So uh, he lives in uh, Loma Linda, so he'll be here as well as there. And his wife, you will love her a lot. I encourage them to be at the, uh, at the big bash at Loma Linda with all the new students. And she, of course, is a doctor. And they plan to be there to encourage you, and you will encourage them. So it'll be a wonderful time. But my head elder read something that I want to read to you again because my title is His Face. And what I want to do is read the verse before. It says, and there shall be no more curse. The great controversy is on, has been on, started in heaven, between Christ and Satan, and it will go on until we see Christ's face. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. I hope and pray that every one of you will serve him and serve him throughout eternity. And then it says, and they shall see his face. I pray that all of you will see his face. And some of those that aren't here, that are somewhere, will also have the same privilege. And then it says, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever. So... It's kind of hard to know what's best to say when you know that this is the last Sabbath that I will have as your pastor. So what do you say? I would like to challenge you to think back of the time when you had the privilege of saying something to somebody that you knew it would be the last time that you were would be together. And that's very important to have us think. Jesus, likewise, said so much to so many people. And in many cases, it was the last time that they really heard him. And you remember that last two weeks ago, I had a service and one of the things that I stressed is that first church that Jesus started. You remember. So what is a true church? And a church is made up of you. So what makes you or a church a true church? A true church 
is as conceived in the mind of Christ and as established by him in Jerusalem. And you remember two weeks ago, I spoke a lot about Jerusalem. Do you know that uh, we can assume that the apostles had no question and they knew exactly what Jesus meant for the church to be and for the church to do. No question about it. The disciples knew it. And you and I have to be kind of reviewing over and over again what is it that the true church needs to do and needs to be? What is it? Did you know that the very existence of Christianity, of Christ's message, is at stake, faced as it is by the rise of Antichrist? Remember what happened in heaven? Right there, with all the angels, Lucifer deceiving them, challenging God, challenging Christ. One third of the angels truly believed that Satan was right. Even though God spoke to them. What do you think is going to happen in this world just before Jesus comes when the gospel of this kingdom will be preached to all the world and everyone will be confronted to either believe in Lucifer and what he says or believe in God what he says. That's going to happen just before Christ comes. And it is happening even now. So we must go back sort of to the original concept of the church as Christ taught it and as the apostles organized it. And you know, what is a church? What, 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 what happened way back when Jesus established the church? Did, did they have a building? It was an assembly. People had gathered together. That's what makes a church. The entire New Testament sort of goes and makes it very clear what the true church is and what it does. Did you know that you and I have to be aware that the assembly, when they meet, is a church. When we disperse and go home, we're on your own. You're still a part of the church. And did you know that it's rather very interesting that the true church has to attack Lucifer constantly. The gates of hell. That's the way it is. And you and I have to be totally aware at all times that we're fighting against, with God's help, against Lucifer and the temptations that he puts before us. Now, when you and I look at the difference between 
people in all the churches, we sometimes wonder and we sometimes feel like they are not a part of us. Are you sure? When the Bible tells us that they, when the last call comes, that they will come out of her, my people, from all the churches, there are God's people there. How have they become God's people there? With all the problems and the deceptions that they have in all the churches, I ask you, how are they still God's people? Well, you and I have to be totally aware that you and I have to be faithful to God and God alone because that's where it's all at. No question about it. According to the New Testament, a church in its true sense is not a true church just because it has ministers, reverence, reverent people, and pastors, just because it has a choir that is gowned, it's not because they meet in a certain building that makes it a true church, or that it has a big membership that makes it a true church, does it? No, it is not. It is simply that a true church leads its people to trust in Christ himself for salvation rather than in a church system. Are you getting the point? It's important that you and I understand that clearly because that's the battle that we all have to face. And that's why I feel very strongly that we have God's people all over in various parts of the world. So there are hundreds of denominations, thousands, and there are scores of heresies, thousands of doctrinal issues in the whole of Christianity, but in the final analysis, there is but one main heresy that sort of makes all others come and become heresies, and that is to trust in a system of religion instead of trusting in God fully. And you and I have to think, because we're not exempt from sometimes thinking that because we are Seventh-day Adventists, that we are going to be saved. We have to be very careful because sometimes we just think that way. Christianity does not save. Christ alone saves. You know, I'm quite certain that there is only one heresy 
and that is leading men to trust in a religious system instead of in Christ only. And even you and I have to be very careful that just by coming to church, we think we'll be saved. Or so many people think that they have to go to various churches because the pastor is good, therefore I want to be there. Could that be trusting in somebody else instead of in Christ alone? So we have to be extremely careful that we are straight and being led by God's Holy Spirit. But the true church will attempt to bring the power of God into the life of people. Did you know that the nature of God's power is not to bind, but to liberate? Love Christ, surrender to him, then do as you please? No. Love Christ, surrender totally to him, and obey his laws. If you love me, what? But you can't do it legalistically. There's a difference there. And that is why Jesus could say that all the commandments are fulfilled by loving God and loving man. And you have to just not pretend that you're loving God or loving man. And you know how sometimes we become professionals in somehow assuming that people don't see through us and we say, oh yes, I, I love you. In fact, it's rather interesting that sometimes even young children, young people say, oh, I love you, mommy, I love you, daddy. And they already know that they want the parents to know that they love them because they want something. You, you understand what I'm talking about? We should help people to see that Christ's true religion and true church to be well understood is a glorious, powerful, liberating force. No one is ashamed of the power of God. And I was rather surprised that that plaque that you gave us, it is my favorite text. In fact, that is the very text that they're going to read for scripture reading in the church in Mintone on the 22nd of September. Because it's Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to make sure that you're not ashamed ever. Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. No question about it. To everyone that believes. But you have to believe. Jesus is the Lord. 
And here's what he said. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's found in Galatians 2.20. It's beautiful. And that's the commitment that you and I need to make. Go be a blessing and a help to everyone you meet. Disciples are the ones who are willing to drop everything and follow him wherever he wills. That he will say to you and me, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Beautiful words. Deny oneself and follow. And why? Why should we follow? Because, you know, sometimes we follow certain things that is so far off following Jesus that we sometimes think that that's the real goal instead. And that's why the Bible says very clearly, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me, the Bible says, and my words of him, the Son of Man, will be shamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels, Luke 9, 25 to 26. Now you understand why I love that power of God unto salvation that everyone that believes. It is so important. And you know, I've learned that after so many years of being the pastor here, after I retired, and I'm sure many of you have asked, why are you still working? You know, well, I would be working wherever I go because I want to serve God as long as he gives me life and breath. And I hope that that's been an inspiration to you to some degree because I think I'm older than anyone here and probably older than a lot of people put together, and maybe some three people put together, still older. And uh, the reason is because I love the Lord because he has helped me to be, as somebody told me just a little while ago, to be who I am in Christ and in Christ only. I come from a family of 14, nine brothers, five sisters, one father, one mother. And oh, am I so happy that my father and mother both accepted Christ as their personal savior before they passed away. And then to think that my youngest brother, who was only 10 years old when Elaine and I got married, and there he was, the young little boy, peeking to see who I brought home 
And he now is retired. And if he is 10 years old when Elaine and I got married, that means that he now 68 plus 10 is 78. And did you know that he had the privilege of just a few weeks ago to baptize a man and a woman. And the woman was, believe it or not, a Miss Alabama and then became a Miss America. And she had a great controversy that was given to her when she was just in her prime of life and she went and put it in the attic and years later after 34 years the great controversy was in the attic she was cleaning up and whatnot and she found it she read it and read other books and then she went to a Seventh Adventist church and she didn't like it because of the music and then she came to my brother's church and I guess the music there must have been okay and did you know that she was interested in having Bible studies and he baptized her I don't know whether you saw it on the email or whatever it just happened just lately Miss America so it's one of those things that God has a way of leading people in a marvelous way and each one of you are as the Bible says ye are the salt of the earth and when God makes his children salt watch it it is not only for their own preservation but that they may be agents in preserving other people so make sure that you are truly the salt of the earth. I just about used something that was not very good. Is it true that garlic is very repulsive to people? Ye are the salt of the earth, not the garlic. <laughs> and yet we like garlic a certain amount. You understand what I mean? We must have the Christ-like character. Otherwise, we cannot be representatives of our Lord. A Christ-like character. No question about it. Did you know in the Science of the Times, there was a little article, and I won't read except for one paragraph. We need grace to keep us humble to make us prayerful, pitiful, tender-hearted, courteous, that we may deal with others as the Lord designs we should. It's beautiful. I, I like that quote, to think that God gave us that information. Did you know there's another in early writings, page 54, it says that she observed that those who follow the Savior 
and sent up their prayers to him in the holiest, reserved the true spirit of God, being loving, joy, and peaceful. Watch this. On the other hand, those who failed to follow Jesus seemingly received answers to their prayers from the enemy. Why is it that some people have the ability to pray and God answers their prayers? And yet, some people pray and somehow things don't go right. What is it? Great controversy, it says, in those churches which he can bring under his deception, that's referring to Christ, I mean to, to Satan, in those churches which he can bring under his deceptive power, he will make it appear that God's special blessing is poured out. There will be manifest what is thought to be great religious interest. Multitudes will exult that God is working marvelously for them when the work is that of another spirit. Under a religious guise, Satan will seek to extend his influence over the Christian world. Great Controversy, page 464. What it means is that it were, if it were possible, Satan will try to deceive the very elect, God's people who are waiting for Christ's coming, who are doing his will. That is the ones that Satan tries his hardest to deceive. And the reason I'm saying this is because, did you know that every church that I served, and I have never asked to serve in any church, I let the conference make the choices, but I've never asked. But every church that I had the last sermon, I made sure that people were encouraged to trust in God and God alone, and also to show them that Satan is trying to deceive every one of us, including pastors. And unfortunately, some pastors succumb and they are deceived. And many pastors in Protestant churches and yet many of them know what the truth is. And Sister White tells us that many, many pastors of other churches, that people will look at them and say, you knew what the truth is. Why did you tell us? The same applies to us as pastors. The same applies to you as God's people to make sure that you're honest, truthful, and trusted God fully, and only him for salvation, and also represent him alike. How many of you have been in churches where pastors had their last sermon? And have you heard what they usually sing? God be with you till we meet again, right? 
Well, I'm here to tell you that the reason I think that God be with you till we meet again is because Christ is coming with power and great glory. He is coming with his own glory and with the glory of the Father. He is coming with all the holy angels with him. He is coming. While all the world is plunged in darkness, there will be light in every dwelling of the saints. They will catch the first light of his second coming. The light will shine from his splendor and Christ the Redeemer will be admired by all who have served him. While the wicked flee from his presence, Christ's followers will rejoice. And like Job, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold him. It's very interesting how God wants us to trust in him fully. And maybe the deception is so great that maybe we should sometimes sing God be with you till we meet again because we don't want to be deceived. We want to know that Christ is coming. But you know what? Today, I think that you and I are going to sing for a closing song. And somehow this church for years decided not to have the closing song, just have prayer. And we will sing hymn number 633, and I hope somebody will play at the piano. Did you notice? It says, when we all get to heaven. And when we all get to heaven, what I want to do is make that as our emphasis, and then we'll have prayer. But what we want to do is join hands together here in a circle, and let's join hands and sing that song. Okay? Let's come. And take your hymnals so that when we do start singing, we are going to be able to use the hymnal. Let's join our hands together, okay? Okay. All right, now let's sing. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. We all see Jesus, we'll sing and 
shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim's pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just for one glimpse of story, we'll the toils of every rain. When we all get to heaven, day of rejoicing that will be. See Jesus and shout the victory. Onward to the prize before us, soon his beauty behold. Soon the pearly gates will open, we shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, chase of the nothing that will be. When we all see Jesus, Why don't you come here and join our circle? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we have been saved through Jesus Christ. And we pray that each one in this circle will truly see the face of Jesus and have eternal life. And those that are not here, we pray that they will be in this circle as well. And that we will promise that we will be faithful to you to the very end. So we pray for those that are not here. And those that have been here for all the years that this church has been established. There have been many congregations. And we pray that they too will be blessed by the services that have been held here, the Sabbath school, the outreach program, and also the main service. We pray that they too will remain faithful and we also want them to see Jesus. But we also pray for the entire church. Amen. The Seventh Adventist Church around the entire world. Amen. We pray that you will put your loving arms around each one and help them to see clearly that it is only through you that they are saved, accepting you as their savior who gave his life on Calvary's cross and his spilled blood on Calvary's cross so that each one of us will have eternal life. 
We pray that your Holy Spirit will guide each one of us as we go in life doing your will. And we pray that we each will have the privilege of being in heaven and realizing that it is only through you that we are there. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.